What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. Chuck Bryant here in the studio at Pond City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I had another great in-person interview that was set up through my old pal, former guest, Brandy Posey of the Lady to Lady podcast. And uh, Brandy, she got in touch with me because she was coming through Atlanta again and uh, doing a cool uh, kind of a live stand-up show called Picture This, where uh, comedians get up on stage and then they have a, an, an artist or cartoonist or animator, draw pictures while they're on stage. It's a very cool concept. And Brandy was here uh, with Mike Hollingsworth. And you may know Mike's work through a little Netflix show called BoJack Horseman, which is the best. Very, very awesome show. It's it's funny. It's endearing. There's a lot going on there. Uh, it's more than just your kind of typical animated show, if you ask me. And uh, she was like, man, you need to sit down with Mike. He's a good guy. I think you two would get along great. Got in touch with Mike, and she was right. He's a very, very awesome dude. And he picked the movie Popeye, which, man, if you know me, then you know I was fairly obsessed with this movie when I was a kid. And it was really interesting after seeing it so many times growing up to see it now as an adult uh, through the lens of a discerning a moviegoer and fan of Robert Altman, who I didn't even realize was a, a big-time director when I was uh, 11 or 12 years old. And uh, it's a weird, awesome movie. Uh, and there's 
there's a lot going on. It's such a strange, cool film. And uh, really enjoyed watching it again. Totally enjoyed talking to Mike about this and about BoJack and animation in general. Uh, just a good, good dude. So here we go with Mike Hollingsworth on Popeye. That would not surprise me. That was after my time. Kevin Barnes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was well, after my time. you'd probably be younger than Kevin Barnes. How old is he? I was 50 or something. Well, I'm 47. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up there. So I don't wear headphones, but you can if you want. That's okay. Um, just make sure the mic's in front of you. And we already just sort of hit record, and I'll just find a good place to come in. Check, check. Sibilitz. Is she from Atlanta? Who is Sibilitz? Is that the first guy who ever checked a mic? Sybil. Sibilitz. Sibilitz. Check, <laughs> check, check. Last name Litz, first name Sybil. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's from, um, she grew up in a town outside of Atlanta. She said where the, the Braves lived. Where the Braves lived? Alfred? No, no. Alpharetta? Alpharetta, yeah. Okay. Is that right outside here? Yeah, I mean, it's like a, a northern suburb. Yeah. If that makes sense. Just pull that over a little bit. And then bit. she went to UGA, which, like I said, just seemed like the coolest place ever, Athens, Georgia. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I spent six years there just because I wanted to. Yeah. It, it was not like a— Why leave? Yeah, I was in no hurry. and um, It was so much fun. Just went back a few weeks ago for the first time in a little bit. Yeah. To, so beautiful. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. And it, during the summer, it's great because that was always my favorite time. Because you're a sadomasochist. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is hot as shit. <laughs> you but love pain. <laughs> the uh, A lot of the students leave. And if you were... Because yeah. um, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah, and not to get... Well, they would just go to other hot places in Georgia. They'd go back to Atlanta probably. Yeah. But um, it sounds very snobby and elitist, but a lot of the like the... The frat boys and stuff went home. Yeah, and the cool people stayed. Yeah, <laughs> so summertime in Athens is like. So it was just a you hanging out with Michael Stipe and. Um, yeah, the of B-52s. Montreal and uh, <laughs> who else? Uh, Olivia Trimmer Control and uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. We were all just best buds. And you were um, <laughs> hanging out in front of that year old video store, which is now a Bank of America. Vision Video. I don't know what's there now. Actually, I didn't go by there. I'm sure it's not a video store. I should have gone there. I took my three-year-old daughter There's still a couple there. video stores in L.A. I think Vidiots or something. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. My store in L.A., I lived in Los Feliz, was Video Hut, maybe? Yeah. Um, I think I heard you discussing that. Was it by the UCB? No. That one? No, it was right on, I think it was right on Vermont. Yeah. Sort of across from the House of Pies. I don't know yeah. how well you know that yep. area. I remember. Yeah, there was a video store there. Yeah. That was and my jam. <laughs> now I think it's a yoga studio. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> That's what they all become. I just saw the other day that the last, the last blockbuster is still standing yeah. in Bend, Oregon. The two in Alaska closed last month, <laughs> and there's one but more. It, but it now sells blocks. Right. It sells masonry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it literally sells blocks. Blue blocks. Uh, it's kind of funny, though, because they said that it's um, they get legit traffic from tourism. Oh, yeah, yeah. From just people that want to go in it's there. It's like and... those Germans who come here to, like, take pictures of Detroit. <laughs> we will go to Detroit and visit your blockbusters. <laughs> yeah, that's probably about right. Where are you And from? your health care system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I grew up in uh, San Francisco. I was oh, wow. born in San Francisco. 
And um, yeah, couldn't be a better place. I'm always to live. jealous of people who grow up in the best places. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco is a pretty amazing place. Yeah, it's the kind of place that kind of had everything. It has everything that California has, and it has seasons. Right. Which is sometimes which is cool. within a day. Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't I my parents couldn't afford to uh, to stay um, in San Francisco for very long. They got pushed out by the first boom. Oh, really? Yeah, blockbusters. Right. <laughs> the big blockbuster. Yeah, their house room. was turned into a blockbuster. <laughs> uh, are you serious? Because um, <laughs> I, I think you're joking. I, I have not been. I'm not being serious now, nor will I ever be okay, serious. Good. Throughout well, the duration. <laughs> it's like that could happen. Uh, so you were there during the 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 good days mm-hmm. when it was still a real city. You mean the good days when I was young? <laughs> well, the that, bad days now too. when I'm old. <laughs> Before the aches and pains set in. Um, yeah, it was great. I started there doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. The punchline and Cobbs, all the open mics and everything. It was a ter- just a terrific city yeah. to do comedy. My comedy wasn't terrific, but the city was great. <laughs> <laughs> it always has been a pretty good stand-up city, Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was. At the time I was there, Arch Barker, Robert oh, yeah. Hawkins, they were like the biggest guys there, and they would just destroy. They like owned that city. Yeah. He, before he was, Arch Barker went off to he Australia. He was almost <laughs> just on this show. Arch Barker? Well, because I was in, we did a show in a live, uh, Stuff You Should Know is my other podcast, yeah. and that's the one that people actually care about. <laughs> and so we do live shows, and we had uh, live shows in Denver, and he got randomly got in touch and said, hey, I'm going to be in Denver. My wife's a big fan of yours, and she's going to your show. So I was like, ooh, I can bring recording gear yeah. and record you for Movie Crush, but it just uh, it didn't work out. Yeah. Well, um, he seems like a good guy. He's the funniest guy ever. Yeah, he's good. He, uh, there was once a bunch of young, uh, he wasn't married at the time of this story. <laughs> there was oh, a bunch I, I of young it. comedians in the back of the punchline after the show, and he came up to us and he told us, when we were up there, we have to do do your whole act to the one woman in the crowd that you want to sleep with. He says, your act is basically your icebreaker. Right. If you do it right to her, uh-huh. you can walk right off stage and continue the conversation. Oh. Like I said, uh-huh. this was 20 years ago. I, do, I no longer know him or his wife. I'm positive they weren't married at the time. And yeah. neither was I. Right. <laughs> now, uh was that advice to young comedians on how to relax, like picture everyone in their underwear, or was that how to get laid? <laughs> I think it was how to get laid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good. That's good <laughs> advice. <laughs> he looked at me and my group. He's like, ooh. Yeah, you guys These need guys help. need some help. <laughs> Not with comedy. That's a lost cause. <laughs> right. Just the second half of that yeah. thing. I think you had to achieve the first half in order to understand the second half. <laughs> what? Uh, when did you start drawing? I guess that was probably the first thing for you, right? Yeah, I was... Um, Doing stand-up and uh, at the same time doing cartoons for alternative press, like your L.A. Weekly, Village Voice type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And doing those two things at the same time and eventually, you know. Like political stuff or? No. Just silly kind of. Yeah. Just silly things. And and eventually I was like, I need to make a living. Mm -hmm. You know, I was broke as a joke. And I was like, okay, I have this skill and this skill. How mm-hmm. can I marry these two things of doing of comedy and being able to draw? And I made my first short. Um, that was like at the 
very beginnings of the internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that first short I made made it into like the HBO Aspen, Com- Aspen Comedy Festival, oh, wow. the Annecy International Festival in France. What's the name uh, of that one? That one was called the Mustache Contest. Is it and online? It is online, yeah. I'll have I to think check that so. out. But it's like, <laughs> remember when every YouTube video was so fuzzy? Yeah, sure. I have a, right now, I got my IT guy at Bojack. I, I had him pull all my old films off, off, offline from various places uh-huh. where they were still live as Swifts. Yeah, yeah. And so that I can um, turn them into MOVs at some point and uh-huh. re-upload them for posterior. <laughs> um, I use him as a personal slave. <laughs> I was about to say, I used to make little shorts back in the day on uh, Digital 8, and that's such an easier way than trying to find all those old tapes. Because I would yeah. love to have them on a hard drive just, like yeah. you know, like you said. For Do you have an IT and... guy here? Who's this guy behind the glass? Well, you got to put MC. him to work. <laughs> I mean, he's just staring at us, I guess, waiting to see if we peak, if we pop. Can he digitize old videos? Well, <laughs> sure. Because I'm smooth. So you don't, you I don't pop, pop your peas? No, yeah. I don't pop my peas. <laughs> Unless you're popping and locking? I have a, uh, a pop filter installed as braces. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what those are? Yeah, yeah. That's nice. So were you drawing as a kid, though? Was that always a, a I was passion? drawing as a kid, yeah. I mean, my dad really loved Mad Magazine. Oh, and man, me He too. would draw those characters. Mm-hmm. And then um, try and get, show them to us and get us all drawing. And then um, I, me and my brother used to, my parents, I don't know why, they had a bunch of butcher paper. And we would get old Looney Tunes cartoons mm-hmm. and tapes of them from video stores and, and pause them and just put butcher paper right up to the TV and trace off the TV. I did a little <laughs> tracing when I was a kid, too. Yeah, Which, that's what I did when I was a kid. That must be step one. I just had all of these books, and I would trace mm-hmm. out of all these books, these Peanuts books, I wore holes through them. I had this Chuck Amuck book, this famous Chuck Jones book. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's so, I would just trace and trace and trace. And then all the kids at school would call me a trace artist. Right. But everybody's looking for something yeah. to pick on other people <laughs> about. But then I, I had this Chuck Jones book and um, it was so beat up because I just carried it everywhere with me. The whole binding of it was all, had fallen apart. It was all held together with masking tape. Oh, wow. And actually... He did an appearance, and I brought that book to have him sign. That's so cool. And he's, he was like, to Mike from Chuck jo- Jones, who's also tattered and torn. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. You still have it? I do still have it, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, his, um, his granddaughter works for Squarespace. Yeah? And, like, came to one of our <laughs> shows one time and introduced herself afterward. I was like, by the way, uh, here's this. It was like a Bugs Bunny thing. And, uh, wait, am I thinking Chuck Jones? Yeah. Not Charles Schultz. Was it that, definitely not with Bugs Bunny? Yeah, yeah, it was, was Chuck it Jones. Was it that scoundrel Bob Clampett? You got to pick a side. It's either Chuck Jones or Who Bob Clampett? Clampett. They hated each other. Oh, really? He they was, uh, the original guys there at Termite Terrace were Frizz Freeling, Tex Avery, uh-huh. and that guy who directed a bunch of Bob Hope films, he left animation. Huh. He directed all their road movies. Right. What was his name? I don't know, but... He went on to have success in real entertainment, right. real show business. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Tex Avery's two animators were Chuck Jones and um, Bob Clampett. And then when Chuck, Chuck, and then when Tux, Tex Avery got fired... 
the king of cartoons, mm-hmm. he got fired because he had this long ending at the end of this cartoon where Bugs Bunny was falling and falling. He was like falling for over a minute. Oh, wow. And then at the end, he wanted to suggest that he died, I believe. <laughs> and he Probably got into a, a huge row with Leon Schlesinger, the producer of the place. And they fired Tex Avery. Wow. Or I think maybe Tex Avery basically was like, no, if you guys fuck all y'all. If you, if you don't, kill if you don't like. But I think, he, you know, was, he wasn't going to really die. He was yeah. going to. Interesting. You know, die in some kind of funny way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that left his position open. He went off to MGM to make all those droopy cartoons. Oh, and Red droopy. Hot Riding Hood and uh-huh. stuff. And so then that left his position open. And I think there was some backstabbing that happened. And Bob... And then, uh, uh, not, not Bob. Yeah, Bob Clampett. Yeah, he took the position, and Chuck Jones never forgave him. Interesting. And there's, all, I love, I, I live in L.A. There's, so there's all of these letters where Chuck Jones and Tex Avery, when when they were older, because Bob Clampett was when those cartoons first came back around and became popular again. Mm-hmm. Bob Clampett came out and claimed to create all the characters, whereas. Tex Avery really created Bugs Bunny. Right. He was an, everybody was kind of using this rabbit, but Tex Avery was the first one who solidified the character. Mm-hmm. But Bob Clampett claimed to create him, and so Chuck Jones brought this to Tex Avery's, and it's all, everybody wrote letters. Right. So, so it's all, uh-huh. all these letters are around to read. Oh, wow. And uh, Chuck Jones brought it to Tex Avery's um, attention and then was just kind of like, we got to take this guy down. He's a scoundrel. He's a real cad. And, uh-huh. and, um, and on that, and so then Tex Avery wrote him back. And Tex Avery was, was kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because he was a Southern boy. Oh, was he? <laughs> he was from Texas, yeah. yeah okay, I figured. So um, he was like, oh, yes, well, thank you for bringing this to my attention. That is, you know, not exactly accurate what he wrote. But on the top of this letter... It was Tex Avery's letterhead, and it had his address. Uh-huh. And so I was like, this is like where Tex Avery lived. And uh, I went to the house. Just where to was s- it? To see where it was. Uh-huh. It was the saddest, dumpiest apartment in uh-huh. North Hollywood. And I was like standing in front of this apartment. I was like, this is where the king of cartoons lived. This was his castle, this yeah. sad, you know, like that. Melrose Place style apartment building uh-huh. that they have all over LA, but yeah, yeah. with no pool in the middle uh-huh. and all the paint <laughs> chipping and everything. I lived in one of those actually. Yeah, uh, I meant they're all really cool. No, it was <laughs> it was a shitty old place, but it was cheap and kind of perfect. But for you me. weren't the king of podcasting like you are now. You're no. just some punk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you were the surf of podcasting. You were the squire. I was. It was pre podcasting. <laughs> Who who's your nemesis in in cartoons? Oh. Goodness, my <laughs> wife always comes down on me because I do have nemesis. Oh yeah, uh, well, you don't have to name any. I don't know if I'll name them. I've, I believe that you have to live boldly, mm-hmm. and if you don't have a few enemies, then what kind of life are you living? You have and I also believe <laughs> that you are not living any kind of life worth living if you've never been thrown out of a bar at least once. <laughs> oh man, I don't know that I've ever been thrown out of a bar. Come on, think about it. Probably because you were too drunk. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I'm a fun drunk, so I've never, like to get thrown out of a bar, you have to be a bit of a dick when you're drunk, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I got, they're not like, that guy's too drunk and having a great time. I've checked this box, this rule of my own off in a 
sideways manner mm-hmm. where I was with a young lady who started, who complained too loudly about the bartender's fake boobs, <laughs> and then she had us kicked out. That'll do it. So I didn't do anything, <laughs> but I was along for the ride Yeah, and the box checking off <laughs> for this rule I've made up. <laughs> yeah, of your own. Where do you live in L.A.? I live in a wonderful, what do they say, glorious downtown Burbank. Oh. Yeah. I lived like yourself on the east side, mm-hmm. Los Feliz, but then I had a child Sure. And they came to us and they said, oh, congratulations on having a child. And get the fuck out of Los Feliz <laughs> and move to Burbank. You don't belong where here. Where people who have children live. <laughs> how, how many kids you got? I just have one. How old? Who's named Avery. Okay. After Tex Avery. Oh, nice. That's how deep I roll. That's pretty with great. With nonsense. Yeah. No, that's I don't know good. how I talk my wife into that. She's also an animator, but she's not crazy. Uh-huh. But she signed on to it. Uh, how old's Avery. He is two and a half. All right, I got a just turned three year old. Daughter, yeah, so I had heard that. I get, I get where you are right now. <laughs> Not a lot of sleep. Nah, we do pretty good. She was a good sleeper from the beginning. But Guilt from being out of town. Yeah, definitely that. <laughs> occasionally. Um, yeah, it's kind of rough when yeah you when I go out. It's go it's, out of town and then yeah. I never thought I'd do Facetime before. Yeah, and now it's sort of a fun thing. Do you do it with all? <laughs> do you put all the little cat faces on yourself? Can you do that with FaceTime? Oh, Chuck is lifting up his phone. He's showing me a picture of him with a kitty cat face. Oh, there's an adorable little fox. It's a bunny rabbit. <laughs> Can you do that on FaceTime? Uh, I know you do it on Facebook. Oh, okay. You do it on FaceTime. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. I know sometime. you have your sponsorships here. I don't know. Can we talk about video chatting on Facebook? Is sure. That? Oh, okay, okay. You're not yeah. like a branded. No, Movie Crush is not heavily sponsored. <laughs> Although Lisa, I do all I do all of my video talking with my child on Coca-Cola cans. <laughs> Coca-Cola, the video software of the now. That's also refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your wife's an animator too. Where does yes. she work? She works at Warner Brothers for Unikitty. Uh-huh. It's um from the Lego movie. Oh, cool. She's the animation director. She's appearing tomorrow, if you have a time machine, at Comic Con. Oh, nice. On a Unikitty panel. I got the hell out of Dodge when, yeah. that, when that Comic-Con comes around. Oh, really? What a Even though it's show. nowhere near Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's everybody Everybody empties out of L.A. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's everybody, you know what I mean? I know a lot of people at Comic-Con right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sticky. Mm-hmm. It's hot. You, everybody's touching everything. Mm-hmm. You just go there and your hands are kind of <laughs> sticky the whole time. And you're like, the one time, the last time I went to Comic-Con, my friend wanted to go. We had free passes offered because we we're professionals. Mm-hmm. And uh, He just did air quotes, by the way, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you probably hear well, that Well, to be voice. clear, here is my showbiz ranking. Animation is all the way down at the bottom of show business, second from the bottom. It's professional dog trainers. Animation and then pornography. <laughs> no, we're all the way down at the bottom. <laughs> I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Um, but my f- the last time I went to Comic Con, that uh, main showroom is just so overwhelming. Yeah. It at at a certain point, me and my wife were just like, "Are you pooped?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm so tired." And we went in this giant room. We found one of the four corners, mm-hmm. and we sat down on the floor and leaned up back to back and fell asleep for about two wow. hours in the middle of this cacophony of nonsense and sticky hands. Yeah. <laughs> People smelling in weird costumes. Yeah. 
a lot of smelly stuff. I went one year to the San Diego one. Uh, I think we just did like a live podcast, and um, I saw in a golf cart one day um, Mark Hamill and took a picture. I was like, oh, my God, there's yeah. Luke Skywalker. Took a photo, and then uh, someone had to point out to me that Stan Lee was in the front seat. <laughs> And I was like, Stanley and Mark Hamill pulled right up to me in a golf cart. I was like, does that just happen all the time? Or was that like a unicorn sighting? Yeah, I think it does happen. I mean, like, every time I've been there, you see, like, weird owls walking around the showroom. And mm-hmm. Matt Groening is always making himself as seen as possible. Oh, really? Yeah, he <laughs> he's walked like, around. here I am, Matt Groening, love me. And he's, he's do that love. He just has a mobile booth that he just scoots around in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I went to a Simpsons reading once and did that deal. I'm sure you've probably done that, right? No, I've never done it. No? We have table reads, too, for BoJack, but we don't... It's a different deal, I guess, because Simpsons resets every time, basically. Mm -hmm. But BoJack doesn't reset, and so we're not really allowed to... You know, like, it's um, linear. It's like a binge-type situation. And so if you came to a taping, or if you came to a um, table read of BoJack, which is very fun with Will Arnett and Aaron Paul and I'd Paul of Tompkins. Is that an invitation? And Allison Brie. But that's the thing. Nobody comes because um, it's uh, you You wouldn't get what was happening. And also, I think they're afraid of, you know, if you, t- if you went to a Simpsons table read and you said, on this episode, you know, uh, comic book man is going to start dating Selma. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, okay. Like, right. And that doesn't have any consequences. But yeah, it, yeah, they're afraid you, you would go out and be like, you know, uh, Bojack just uh, butt right. chugged some methadone, <laughs> and he's um, flying a helicopter. Like a real spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did Bojack come to you? What's that story? Um, they were looking for, you know, Raphael, and so you know, like you find the right coattails, mm-hmm. and I, you just nail your f- shoes to them. Yeah. Um, I first met him when he was like. Uh, something stupid like 25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's just a guy who was like real smart and stuff. Yeah. He's just real great at, and he, you know, he's like, he writes this great melodramatic stuff, but he's just like a pratfall, goofball, uh-huh. doofus. It's an interesting mix. And I mean that with uh, all sincerity and yeah. <laughs> respect. Yeah, Doofus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a doofus. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they were looking for somebody who could um, kind of bring somebody with comedy chops. And that's what I got in spades. I mean, like, I did stand-up for, like, 15 years. Oh, wow. I never went to school. I applied to CalArts. Mm-hmm. I did not get in. By the time they said reapply in a year, and by the time a year came back around, I was already working for the Disney Channel. Oh, wow. Making baby cartoons. Uh-huh. Um, so, and working alongside all these kids with... CalArts uh, yeah, student degrees. loans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Degrees uh-huh. <laughs> printed on student right. loan payments <laughs> or bills. Right. Um, and so, but I've always just been able to really, you know, I'm not the greatest boarder. I'm not the greatest animator. I'm not the greatest character designer. But I I just, I, I'm, I, I'm really up there as far as gags mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, just comedy. And um, that's just from doing comedy. Yeah. Like, I really learned how to, like, pace mm-hmm. a gag and how to, like, unpack an idea yeah. from doing stand-up. 
you know, when they do, when you do go to school for these kind of things, the arts and everything, they always do tell you in animation schools that you should take acting classes or study Buster Keaton, study right. Charlie Chaplin. You're like, barf. Yeah. <laughs> but it really, I feel like I have, I ha, I, when I did enter the animation field, mm-hmm. I had such a leg up on everybody because I could, just knew how to execute a, a joke. Yeah. But I also had a leg down on everybody because I treated my coworkers like they were fellow comedians in the back of a club. Oh, really? I went in there so hot, just kind of, just kind of cutting people down, and mm-hmm. and it took a while to adjust to like that. I'm no longer my colleagues are no longer stand up comedians. These yeah. are delicate people because that's are all stand up too. Is they're is inside kids bag on each other, right? <laughs> yeah, we bag on each other a lot. And but animators are sensitive. They're more sensitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're more regular. I would say the stand-up comedians, irregular. <laughs> M- may yeah. I say, in many ways, assholes. <laughs> so I was a, uh, I was an asshole in a toilet paper factory. Ah, uh, nice. Just trying to wipe it all over the place. <laughs> so you had to tone that down. That and... is not a metaphor that I feel tested. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I would use that. Um, so you had to tone that down a bit. Yes, I had to adjust. Because did they think you were a jerk? Uh, I was just too big. Uh, okay. It's great, though, for being in the room and pitching. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, when you, do, when, you do, when you are a storyboarder and a director, you're meant to basically sell your boards. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have the script, and here's your execution of that script, and here's all this other stuff I added, and you got to sell it. If you mm-hmm. go in there and you can't peddle your goods... The, it, 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 it'll get cut and rearranged. They're really buying you. Mm-hmm. Like some of our, some of, the, it's so crazy because some directors are so good in the room, but they're not good at getting the work done. Mm-hmm. And then some directors are like drawing like crazy, like so talented. But when they get into that room and they're faced with the EPs, you know, they are quiet as a dormouse. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of find the balance. You have to basically in in all arts. Yeah. You have to sell yourself. You right. You got to be your own P.T. Barnum. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself the Willy Wonka of animation. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm in there. Yeah. Singing for my supper. <laughs> well, what is your job like? I think this is a good chance because I don't think a lot of people fully even understand what a job title like yours means to a yeah. show like that. It's so crazy. I've only recently, I'm the supervising director of BoJack Horseman and the upcoming Tuca and Birdie, created by Lisa Hanawalt, our production designer on Mm -hmm. BoJack Horseman. The show is going to be so insane. It's so funny. It stars Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong. Oh, man. So Tiffany Haddish, Ali Wong, and the team behind BoJack. Uh Uh-huh. It's uh, It's for Netflix, too? It's also for Netflix. We're halfway through the boarding. Wow. And it's... Just so amazing. It's I, and I also think it's like the right show at the right time. Mm-hmm. It's I, I think it, I'm really looking forward to people checking it out, and we're having so much fun making it. 
much to uh, Raphael's chagrin uh. every time because he's one of the EPs of the show. And we're like, yeah. it's so fun that we can do this. He's like, oh, unlike Bojack, right? Oh, you could do this wild take. Oh, you can goof around and have fun, but not on Bojack, I guess, which is not fun. <laughs> it's, it's a chore, it's I guess. It's so old now. <laughs> well, because you guys, what season are you on for Bojack? We just wrapped season five oh, yesterday. That's great. Yeah, we just finished it. Um, the last shots came out of compositing uh-huh. yesterday. That's awesome. And went into color correct. It's so crazy. So your day-to-day job, like what does a director do? Yeah, it's so crazy because I, when I became the supervising director of BoJack Horseman, I reached out to other supervising directors. Like I met with my friend, uh, my old, the guy who used to be my boss, Pete Michaels, who's a supervising director of Rick and Morty. I sat down mm-hmm. and just wanted to talk to him. Just seemed like, also I was kind of like, Hey, I'm one of you now. Right. <laughs> Where's this, the what's the secret handshake? Yeah, <laughs> and um, every job, every it's so crazy because when you think about it, when I was just breaking in, I'm like, how are cartoons made? How do you do this? Or a TV show, mm-hmm. or anything. And I've come to learn that TV shows and animation, it's made by pulling together the talents and tricks of the staff you've amassed Mm -hmm. because like every one of these animated shows is made slightly different yeah on my show i i approve i uh, i approve every board i get into the boards i'm adding gags like crazy Mm -hmm. with myself a lot and the team who are all terrific uh they weren't (laughs) i've everybody's risen to the challenge yeah and now they're outpacing me and and uh, out joking me, and um, that doesn't always make me happy. <laughs> um, but I supervise all the storyboarding. I supervise all the background design. I supervise the props, uh, the character designs. Every one of these departments has a head, but then I approve all of the artwork. Right. In conjunction with whoever the art director is on the show. And then so my position is all the way from I fix blinks on characters Mm -hmm. all the way to writing dialogue and voicing characters. Wow. It's like a pretty big span. Yeah. And that's just how that's just how I've in these jobs you get in there and you kind of just push your arms and legs out and see how far you can push back in every direction. Let me do this. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is the space I fill. Yeah. Um, That's pretty cool. Because, yeah, I was talking to my friend on Rick and Morty. I was talking to a color stylist on Rick and Morty, and uh, he was like, I was like, oh, you work on Rick and Morty, so you you must know Pete, the supervising director. And he was like, uh, no. (laughs) I was like, oh, he's the, you know, he's the supervising director of the show. He's like, oh, (laughs) I think I've seen his name on emails. Meanwhile, this guy is a pro, and he's terrific. But he just supervises the boarding, from what I understand. Uh Uh-huh. So but it's different create, for every show. I'm like a bottleneck. Uh-huh. Like every, like I learned that my job is like, I'm like a bottleneck with brakes. Huh? Mm-hmm. I'm either a bottleneck or I'm brakes. Right. I just slam brakes on all over the production <laughs> and go like, no, this is not ready to go. Yeah. And uh, I'm like a bottle who's a traffic cop, but also has brakes. <laughs> and I'm in a toilet paper factory. <laughs> <laughs> cleaning up assholes. Yeah, cleaning up assholes. <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a special show, and I imagine that... Um, Can somebody untangle these metaphors? <laughs> Ramsey, We need a hair straightener. <laughs> Ramsey left, so we're, we're by ourselves now. Did I offend... Did, did he go and do those other jobs <laughs> like I, I suggested he did? I think did? he's pulling my old videos <laughs> off of the internet. 
Um, it's such a special show, and I think, like, I'm just curious, like, what, at the beginning, if you were like, oh, man, this is going to be big. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're doing these things, you work on so many shows, and I didn't necessarily know it was going to be big, mm-hmm. but then when we were working on season one, and Bojack went on this drug trip in yes. episode 11, yeah. and he, at the end, was standing there in this book show with this fake Truman Capote extra who was sitting next to uh, Diane. And he was like, you know, am I a good person? And she said, no. That made a lot of storyboarders cry. Mm -hmm. And they were just looking at the animatics. It was just black and white, you know, basically an animated comic strip. Mm -hmm. And they were watching that. And um, it was really affecting a lot of the staff. And I was like, oh, like people are crying at this cartoon. Yeah. They're crying at the unfinished picture right like we haven't even put in all of our mood lighting yeah or the music or yeah or the music wasn't final or or anything um i think it was while we were making that episode i was i was like this is not this is not an episode of family guy (laughs) yeah no um and i think it's a show that uh i even went back today and watched the pilot and it was good from the beginning but i feel like it's it's a show that really just got better and better yeah. as it went on. Yeah, definitely in a lot of interviews, Raphael, I think if we could do it again, like he was, the first few episodes was like, meet the cast. Well, you got to do that stuff. But you kind of have to do, but yeah. that, but then when we sent it out to critics, we sent the the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. I suppose in hindsight, we should have sent the whole season. Not that they, if they didn't like the first four episodes, they would have necessarily yeah. got to episode 11. That's true. But um, the first four episodes were just kind of meeting the characters, and they were a little bit more kind of maybe, I mean, like episode two where Bojack insults this veteran. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a pretty kind of standard setup, but then he has a monologue where he basically unpacks all this information about like, not everybody deserves mm. to be honored and what makes what makes this person special, blah, 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 blah. So, and that did get pointed out by critics. They were like, I think this is pretty standard stuff. There was this one kind of thing. He said some kind of weird <laughs> stuff. I don't know, like, if it was a mistake. And then if you watched on through the rest of the season, you'd be like, oh, no, this wasn't a mistake. Yeah, there's this one thing where it was sort of a big breakthrough <laughs> for animation, but uh, it might have been a goof. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then we were really, you know, everybody was just kind of figuring out the world. And we were the first show that was like a binge Uh animation show. Right. I think we were like the third or fourth uh, show on Netflix. Oh, really? I'm the first animator that was hired by Netflix. Wow. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That's why you have the jacket. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He has a BoJack Horseman jacket, everyone, that I'm sure... Gives you lots of compliments. Not in L.A. Everybody has these dumb crew jackets. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, but um, I'm specifically wearing it while I'm here in Atlanta, <laughs> hoping that somebody will notice. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've probably dealt with Cartoon Network people, probably. No? Cartoon no? Network people here in Atlanta? Yeah. No? Uh, Yeah. Or uh, Adult Swim? Adult Swim. You know those people? Yeah, I've never worked for Adult Swim. I don't think. Um, well, you're all set now. You don't need to sweat it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, BoJack is up for syndication. It's going to be, it's, I think it's the first Netflix show. It's going to go into syndication. Oh, really? So I could be on Adult Swim sometime right. soon. <laughs> they they don't know money. where it's going to land. Right. 
they just basically, there was a press release that it was available for syndication. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing, a Netflix show going back to TV. Yeah. Because they don't, Netflix doesn't own BoJack. They own Big Mouth. Okay. They make Big Mouth. Yeah. But um, BoJack is actually produced by Michael Eisner. Oh, interesting. The for, former CEO of uh, yeah. of Disney, which was really crazy huh. to be like working with Michael Eisner. Did who you was like Disney him? when I, yeah. yeah, he comes to all the table reads. Wow. He couldn't be nicer. I'm on this email chain. I'm just high enough up in the organization that I'm on his email chain uh-huh. where he's like, it'll be an email blast. It'll be like, I bought a soccer team. If anybody <laughs> would like to fly to England, there's uh, tickets available for all staff. And I'm like, or there's going to be great. a 2000 a plate uh, dinner for some charity. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I eat, I I eat 250 a, a plate. <laughs> that's my plate average. <laughs> yeah, that's as high as you go. That's about as high as I go. Yeah, I forgot about Eisner. I mean, he was... He was the yeah. biggest student in Hollywood for many, many years. Yeah, he still has his hands in a lot of stuff. I'm I think sure. he's kind of diversified into owning soccer teams. And yeah, sure. He owns Tops. The baseball cards? He owns the baseball cards. And he huh. owns Garbage Pail Kids. Wow. Yeah. They made a great set of BoJack Tops cards. Oh, cool. That Raphael actually wrote all of them. It's a horsing around set that's meant to have come out like in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, when like the show was on. Unironic uh-huh. set of horsing around cards. <laughs> That's pretty great. Did they sell those, or is that just like they were a only available? Thing? I think uh, to uh, yes, so they yes they do sell them. Yeah, but not in stores. They're not for sale at Target. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, well, congratulations on the success of the show. It's thank you. And what's the name of the one coming out with uh, Tuka Allie and Wong? Birdie? Okay. Yeah, it's going to be Tiffany Haddish, Ali Wong. What are they? Pl- what are their characters? Are they a toucan? Okay, toucan. and a song thrush. Oh. <laughs> Who's who? <laughs> uh, Al, or, Tiffany Haddish is the toucan. Okay. Yeah, it's based on a comics of Lisa Hannawalt's. Gotcha. Uh, she is a prolific graf- uh, graphic novelist, uh-huh. and she has all these great books that your listeners should run out and buy. Yeah. It'll be a nice preview of this very fun show that's coming out. And when does that come out? I have no idea. Really? I'm just a uh, gear in the machine. <laughs> Uh, I would imagine it comes out in 2019. Netflix is very... Uh, but you can talk about it. We're not going to have to edit yeah. this part out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Gotcha. Um, they, um, I think they release something new like every week. They got to yeah. constantly keep their name in the news. New show drops, new show drops, mm-hmm. new show drops. So My kid loves a lot of the Netflix original animated shows. Yeah? Or the ones that they port over yeah. from uh, like... Puffin Rock yeah. and Sarah and Duck. I don't know if I love if Sarah and Duck. I met those are great shows. I went to Annecy for BoJack, this international animation festival, the biggest uh-huh. one in France, and I met the creator of Sarah and Duck. I was very excited, yeah, because <laughs> my son loved it so much, and it's so cute. It's that and Puffin Rock are just very sweet. I shows that a I parent ch- won't even mind being on. They're so like yeah. soothing, and uh, the, the drawing is great. I don't want to sit through that puff and rock. <laughs> oh, you don't like puff and rock? I like Storybots. I don't he think loves I've seen it. that. It's uh, it's on Netflix. It's made by Jib Jab. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's the cutest, funniest show. And he um, he loves it. This the the song is Storybots. Tada! Won't you come along with us? And my son always goes. Want to watch Storybots, ta-da? Want to watch Storybots, ta-da? 
That's great. And I was uh, talking with my wife, and we were saying the greatest thing about the show is it has no merchandise. So there's nothing to buy. <laughs> oh. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because— <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to buy all that Yeah, shit. he's starting to get nuts about gift shops and, uh-huh. like, just we go to Target. We found a trick, though. When we go to Target— uh, Avoid the we, toys. But he knows there's a toy aisle. Oh, uh, okay. But he, we bring him to the dog toy aisle. Oh. He loves playing with the dog toys. Yeah. And then, in the end, when it's time to go, and he's like, oh, I want this big rubber mallard uh-huh. or pool rope thing. Yeah. We go like, oh, no, these are dog toys. Yeah. And we just leave. And <laughs> he seems to, leave to understand that. He's like, oh, yeah, they're dog toys. <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> what do you got against Puffin Rock? It's just a little bit too sweet for me. Oh, it's too sweet. Yeah. The guy who's like, the I prefer the narrator. I prefer the old Sesame Street to the new Sesame Street. You prefer the gritty? Yeah, there's some crazy stuff. There's like, those puppets are really yelling at each other. Bert and Ernie getting some spats. Yeah. Um, there's this great old one that I love. There's a hole in the bucket, Dear Liza, Dear Liza. Mm-hmm. And it portrays, it's on YouTube, it portrays this couple. And they are, oh, this is a spousal abuse situation. <laughs> <laughs> they, there's so much tension between these. It's this very, very angry woman who is married to this very dumb man who has a hole in his bucket. <laughs> yeah. That sounds familiar. It's, I mean, it, I think it was a popular song. Uh-huh. But it, it's intense. Yeah. It's so much so that I think it was, like, too much for my son. Yeah. He's like, these people got to work out their issues. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to um, Manamana. Right. <laughs> Let's watch a little bit more Manamana and see if those two can work yeah. out their issues. Because you said you go deep on the Muppets, too. Yes. I love the Muppets. My big three is uh, Jim Henson, Charles Schultz, and Chuck Jones, and Tex Avery. That's great. Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jim Henson. I mean, as a uh, as a person who on BoJack practices the dark arts of animal punnery, uh-huh. <laughs> you don't get any better than the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Never thought about it. There's some great punnery on uh, BoJack, though. The Muppet movie is the uh, Mona Lisa of puns. Mm, it is. There's no. There's no topping it. Yeah. It's coming fast and furious. <laughs> <laughs> In that movie. It's just so great. Yeah, that's awesome. I had my buddy Raymond Carr in here who is a puppeteer, and uh, we talked about Labyrinth. Yeah. And he worked worked for the Henson Company for a little while, Um, was called out there to work on a show, and it's like, man, I I got called up to the bigs. It was the best (laughs) thing ever. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It doesn't get any more exciting than that. I have a friend, too, who's a puppeteer for Henson, Uh, my friend Grant, and Mm -hmm. He always does these puppet-up shows, yeah. this live improv puppet show that they yeah, do. Yeah, Raymond was talking about that. Yeah, it's it's so cool. It's nuts that he—and he's doing it with uh, Brian Henson, hanging out with Brian Henson and everything, wow. who was a puppeteer of Audrey too. No matter what he did after that, including Happy Time Murders or whatever, yeah. <laughs> which I'm not terrifically excited about seeing. I'm not but, either. But he was a puppeteer of Audrey too. Wow. In Little Shop of Horrors. Uh-huh. Hard to top that. That was like— one of the greatest feats in cinema history. Yeah. It's a great uh, movie um, director's commentary. Oh, for is a it? Little Shop of Horrors. Frank Oz. I have to check who, that out. I mean this lovingly. Seems like a real son of a bitch. Oh, really? He is uh, just describing the process of how um, how they they 
filmed it all at half speed mm-hmm. so they can get all the lip the lip sync is so good yeah of that puppet so they were playing all of these um one of the temptations was the voice of the puppet but they played the tracks at half speed and they were just slowly doing it mm-hmm. so Rick Moranis also had to sing at half speed too oh cool yeah and Rick Moranis where have you gone Rick Moranis yeah. Well, you know what he did? He uh, yeah, I know what he did. Stopped to be a dad. Yeah, I know. Which is like great. Making us feel like look shit. like a real a- <laughs> real assholes. Um, well, and then I think he stopped to be a dad and then his children got grown and then he was kinda like, Yeah, you kinda, go back and watch that, that Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Rick Moranis is the star of that movie. He kind of is. Everything yeah. else is a little rapey. Like Bill Murray will not give up yeah. with Sigourney Weaver and she's great too. Her Chemistry, the movie is a movie about Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, and Annie Potts. Yeah. Another unsung hero yeah, of comedy. Yeah, she's great. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. A lot of those movies are tough. We, uh, I did Groundhog Day in, uh, for the show, too, and going back and watching that again, I'm like, man, like, back off, Bill Murray. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> like if you just trying look to at do that. All trick her into sleeping with him. That was a big Hollywood movie. But if you go back and look at that, like, this is a dark comedy. Yeah. It kind of, the fact that you we know that that was, we watched that movie as a kid. Yeah. Like it was presented to us as family fodder. Mm-hmm. But it does really stand as a really dark, messed up comedy. Oh, yeah. Which we love. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's just kind of kind of thought of in that way, then uh, am I... Am I another white male explaining away uh, bad stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, I've fallen into this white male trap. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous Podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect, whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Well, speaking of weird, sis, sis, sis. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into Popeye. Yes. Because, well, oh, first of all, here's my history of this movie. 
I'm 47, so this movie came out when I was nine. And uh, to say that I was obsessed with it is about right. Yeah. Like, I, for that Halloween or the next Halloween, I'm not sure when it was released, I wanted to be Popeye so bad but could not figure out how to do the arms. Yeah. And that, and <laughs> I, much like I learned Robin Williams, didn't want to do it if he couldn't get the arms right. Apparently yeah. this production was delayed because Robin Williams is like, no, it doesn't look good. They, um, I think they had the film community of the whole world. Yeah. Trying to, they were trying to figure it out in Malta, uh-huh. Hollywood, Italy, and I think New York too. They had special effects people while they were filming. Oh, wow. They got started because the first thing they filmed was the, the section where Popeye is walking up from the boat and walking so through the very Sweet Haven. The film, yeah. And he's wearing a trench coat in yep. that. So it's just a you don't coat need the over arms. buckets, yeah. basically. You don't have to see the seams. But yeah, they, but that was not intention or not by choice. Yeah. They couldn't figure out that arm, uh, <laughs> the arm situation. Do you know? <laughs> I never, I couldn't find what it actually, what what they did. Do you know what it was? I think they just kept reworking it. Um, I did read about what it was. I mean, I'm sure it was just some sort of yeah. foamy arm that they layered yeah. on the, the makeup or whatever. Yeah. Or the prosthetics. Yeah, it was, um, but they had to hide the seams and everything. Yeah, that was the whole trick was yeah. at the wrist and the elbow making and it And they made real. two different kinds. They made a kind that included a glove. Okay. So you could hide the seam. And then they made a kind that— Oh, the boxing glove? No, no, his hands. Oh, oh. They made a, a, a version that had the hands connected to it. Oh, interesting. And then they made a version that just went to the wrist because right. they found one, the ones with the hands, when you s- turned your wrist, you would see that rubber— Yeah. —kind of that stretched rubber kind of situation yeah, happening. Yeah, you couldn't see that. Like, you, yeah. that would ruin it. That would ruin it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I read that he said that basically it was like— wearing two hot French breads on his arms uh-huh. for, for yeah. six months or something. Yeah, well, plus he was probably coked to the gills. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Um, like, What's a coke situation in Malta? I bet you he found out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's directed by Robert Altman, too. Ooh. So I, I doubt if they had any trouble getting drugs to the set. <laughs> you know? Uh, and Altman famously went to Malta because he, you know, he was like, I want to be his... I want to make it as hard as possible for any studio executive <laughs> yeah. to come by. Maybe he was, Robert Altman was like contacting, they were having so much trouble with the arms and the special effects. He's like, we need these arms to look just right. You can't see that the wrist is spinning and they also have to be able to smuggle large con- <laughs> quantities of Coke into Malta. <laughs> yeah, bigger, make them bigger. The, the, yeah, it's like the three leads on this were Altman, Williams, and Harry Nilsson. Yes. Enjoyed. A and Robert Evans toot, is toot. the yeah <laughs> yeah and Robert Evans yeah so sure it was yeah, that, I, that time in Hollywood coming out of the seventies yeah uh, or I guess actually shot in the seventies so I was sort of obsessed with this movie because I loved the cartoon growing up um I was entranced from this movie from the very beginning seeing that poster and now they they brought everything to life but in nineteen eighty. It was the first time, like, I had ever seen, yeah. like, hey, this is a, a real-life cartoon, and it just looked perfect. It like, was he looked terrific. Perfect. And, of course, Shelley Duvall's Olive Oil, yeah. born to play that role. And uh, the, But Paramount did not think so. I was reading that they wanted Gilda Radner. Yeah. 
And um, Lily Tomlin was almost on too. And they even wanted um, Bette Midler. Oh, good who lord! Who was a little bit more zoftic? Yeah, than <laughs> olive oil. But they were pushing back. They viewed Shelley mm. Duvall as being just one of Robert Altman's kind of like unprofessional group of yeah a- acting ninnies. Uh-huh. Like, you know, because I guess he had a he had like a reputation. I did learn in reading this that he formed what seemed like the first kind of like production company, like a, a, a Lions Gate. No, like that Lionsgate was oh, his company that he really? formed. He was like the first that. independent producer. I mean, I know that like Mary Pickford and Charlie Chaplin formed. They were United Artists, right? Yeah, but that's yeah. a studio, right? So this, I think, I believe Robert Altman formed the first like, production company. Yeah, like, I mean, outside. one of the great mavericks of yeah. filmmaking. Very famously, just didn't want to be bothered. Yeah, and this <laughs> movie uh, ruined him for a decade. Yeah. Yeah. It was seen as a failure. It was seen as a failure. Even though, um, and we'll, we'll get through the movie, but this was, is all the background. And I think it may have just been a failure because it was a movie that was just made for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was 200 people in Malta making a movie for Mike Collinsworth. <laughs> you were, because even, it is were you born in 1980? Abs- I was, yeah. I w- it's the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Okay. Which... I know what your uh, listeners are going to think might kind of, you know, affect that it's like one of my favorite movies. Sure. It's not. It's just really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think that uh, it's it's just if they wanted this movie to be really big, he should have been it should have been Rock'em Sock'em right from the beginning. Yeah. But it's like a beautiful little character piece. It is really a celebration of Thimble Theater. Yeah. The original comic strip. That's what I've heard. Yeah. It's um it's so, you know, wild kind of straying from it for because it's a movie, you know, a movie is not a comic strip. Mm-hmm. It still honors and uh it still honors it in such a glorious way. It yeah. was written by that Jules Pfeiffer who was a yeah. cartoonist himself. But sort of like a fringe cartoonist, right? Yeah, he was kind of like a New Yorker kind of guy. Yeah. But still, I mean if you're a cartoonist, any cartoonist you talk to, no matter what spectrum they are, all the way from Robert Crumb to, like, Kathy Geiswise, mm-hmm. they all, like, worship Seeger, Schultz. Yeah. Like these, and uh, Windsor McKay, like these foundation yeah. fundamental guys. When I first met my wife, she she hates Charles Schultz. Drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she's actually got to animate the peanuts. Oh, she man. animated them for MetLife commercials. Uh-huh. It was like drawing, like learning how to draw Lucy and everything. And I was like, why is this? Why are you doing this? You hate, you don't get it. You don't deserve to be doing this, this Target commercial yeah. for the peanuts. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And sad in a way. Yes. Um, so this movie I was obsessed with, it came out and I was a huge fan of the movie when I was a kid and then had seen it since, like, on HBO. You know, it was one of those that yep. I watched, you know, five or six times and then watched it again last night for the first time in a long time. And it's an interesting movie to go back to as an adult if you haven't seen it in a while because it's such a weird, such a weird movie. It is very weird. There's no getting around that. He hired, he had the idea to hire circus people yeah, and kind of like very physical comedic people, the star of which, one of the 
big stars who's a second pl- secondary player in it is that Bill Irwin. Yeah. Who I only really know, like, why wasn't this guy bigger? He I don't is, know. He, I've seen him a lot of years. It yeah. In this movie. He's a clown slash vaudeville sort of. Yeah. I see him on, he's on Sesame Street. He plays Elmo's friend, Mr. Marbles. Oh, really? Yeah, he has like a regular bit on Sesame Street, but I think maybe it was in the 90s or something. I mean, he's been around forever. And he was in like that Paul Simon video with Chevy Chase. It was the three of them. <laughs> Paul Simon, <laughs> Chevy right. Chase, and Bill Irwin doing his kind of like physical scrunch up yeah. comedy. I mean, he physically is just so gifted. Yeah, he's a really big, tall guy who can smash down. Yeah, into yeah. Like, and he did that in Popeye. Yeah. He's the guy, for those of you listening, if you have seen Popeye, Bill Irwin is the guy who kicked his hat around at the beginning of the film. Yeah. and uh, But the whole, like you said, the whole movie is populated. What was the name of the group? Do you remember? No. The but circus it was, group? Yeah, it was a San Francisco circus group that he yeah. was a member of. I can't remember their name, but he, most of the, the, the citizens yeah. of Sea Haven... Sea Haven? Which, uh, Sweet Haven. Sweet Haven. Which was such a crazy <laughs> idea, but he really wanted he, to, what, just to, to be to living set. No, to be living cartoons, yeah. these people. And so he turned to circus folk because uh-huh. they can move and act like, and they do these great big pratfalls. And, oh, yeah. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. In the background, it's and like there's constantly no wasted, happening. Like, he cast so many people, and there's no wasted moment. There's like little kind of circus people doing tiny things uh-huh. all over the screen. <laughs> all over the place. Even though it's like so small. Yeah. And it's like a, it's a, sh- it's a movie that should not be watched on an iPhone. No. Because he shoots the whole thing pretty wide. Yeah. He said he wanted to, that, that but he kind of shoots wide a lot. Remember I watched that Long Kiss Goodbye and a lot of that oh, is yeah. just. Elliot Gould just kind of muttering to himself, well, almost Popeye. like a pre-Popeye thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it's an ironic thing, too, because he does, he was so big for just looping 100% of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what the Fleischers did with those original Popeye cartoons. They would just animate them mm-hmm. and then bring in the voice actors afterwards to just kind of mutter. Like, Popeye has very seldom actually has lip sync. Yeah. He's just walking around, just his mouth just, just in that kind of like crooked thing, <laughs> yeah. and he's just kind of muttering to himself. Yeah, well, and there's so many brilliant lines in there that are so easy to miss if you aren't really listening. Like, it's a movie you got to pay attention to yeah. if you want to hear all these, these little sidelines he keeps saying under his yeah. breath. And a lot of them are comments about, uh, like, kind of really wry humor that... Um, some of it feels improv that it might have been I since think it, it was, was Robin Williams. It was Robin Williams, yeah. But, you know, little political and social statements kind of peppered throughout yeah. that he just sort of mutters under his breath. Another great thing about this movie, it's Robin Williams' first film. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's the only movie ever that Robin Williams wasn't playing Robin Williams. He is really, he is turning in an amazing performance. He is yeah. 100%. In this character, oh, he he disappears as Popeye. Yeah, he's even as so an adult. Terrific. Yesterday, I was like, and I, it's so I mean, amazing to watch him. He looks so young, and yeah, yeah, it's just, he's and he's just could not be more marvelous. Yeah, in it, um, yeah, he was great. Yeah, he was so great. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, of course, Shelley Long was fantastic in it, and um, Shelley Duke, well, yeah, what did I say, Popeye, Shelley Long? <laughs> Shelley Long was <laughs> terrible in it. She oh never God. showed up, Man. and um. They were, at first he was it was going to be Dustin Hoffman, 
Right, I read that. Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin. Yeah, is who I think. I don't uh, see Dustin Hoffman as no. But as my wife pointed out, like he played Hook, like he Mm -hmm. he can go he can go there. Like yeah, sure. Turn in a he was Tootsie. Yeah, he can turn in a big performance. Yeah, that's true. But it's funny though, is like this wasn't a kind of wasn't a big performance. Like Popeye is very kind of reserved in a lot of ways. Um, like not only with with the voice work, which he's was a lot of times under his breath, center but, of the chaos. Yeah, he's there's a like, lot of stuff going on around him, but he's not super big and broad like he was yeah. in Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it's all uh, he kind of breaks out of it when he sings that "I Am What I Am" song. Yeah, true. That was uh, Robert Evans was obsessed with that, with getting that song in there, that concept. Uh huh. I think. Uh, Robert Evans lived a I am what I am lifestyle. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's like, when he came across like this catchphrase of Popeye, he's like, yes, this makes so much sense to me. <laughs> and he, the whole way through the process, his his big insight, which I'm downplaying his involvement, was just like, it's got to be all about I am what I am. <laughs> right. That's the central theme, right? <laughs> That's the central theme, yeah. Well, let's talk about the music for a minute because, like you said, this was Harry Nilsson, yeah. the, the great um, – Songwriter and uh, and drug abuser, raconteur, <laughs> raconteur. This was post. He, of course, famously, there's a great documentary about him. Yeah, Nilsson uh-huh. or Nilsson. What is it? Where, Who is Harry Nilsson? Yeah, where you know, amongst all the other highlights of his career, they talk about how he was a buddy of John Lennon's, and mm-hmm. him and John Lennon were all coked up in oh, a recording yeah. studio. And Harry Nilsson was known for having like one of the smoothest voices. Yeah. Um, in singing uh, popular music. And him and John Lennon thought it would be a hoot to get into a, see who could yell the loudest into a <laughs> microphone and for the longest and the loudest. And Harry Nilsson permanently destroyed his vocal oh, cords. No. And he was done. Really? Yeah, he was done. That's an idea you yeah. only have when you're on yeah. like a bag of cocaine. So this is post, this is post, recording career like yeah i gotta make things work because i screamed my voice out with john lennon who then left town oh really <laughs> well i mean you know it's like well, i'm out of here <laughs> yeah well i'm out of here yeah. <laughs> he didn't seem to have kind of like that attitude john lennon was the yeah. well i fuck shit up here <laughs> i'm out of here in his career and in parenting <laughs> yeah that's a good point uh but these songs are i mean this was um this Disney's answer to Annie, supposedly. Yes. As far as a comic strip musical, and they were like, well, what can we do? Let's well, yeah, get Popeye I, out I there. read about that. Robert Evans saw Annie was the biggest thing on Broadway yeah. that of like 1979 or whatever. It was mm-hmm. a huge smash. It won all these Tonys. And Robert Evans was trying, he wanted to make Annie initially. Yeah. And then he saw the price that they were wanting for the rights mm-hmm. to their musical. And he said, okay. Who else is out there? Right. Well, looking back, it's probably like, I won't give you a million dollars for Annie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Paramount actually, when he was in discussion with people at Paramount, and they're like, they brought it to his attention that I believe they, at that time, they were still making $75,000 a year off the rights to the Popeye song. Like nobody really? was doing anything with Popeye. Yeah. But every year they were reaping $75,000 worth of profit off right. of just, I'm Popeye the Sailor just Man. Popeye juice. Yeah. <laughs> Flowing in. 
So he's like, you, you know, there's money to be made. Right. <laughs> with this character. Um, but then I, I do believe he really kind of fell in love. And he spearheaded the project the whole time through Robert Evans. Yeah, but then Altman, in true Altman fashion, did not make Annie. You know, yeah. he, he got Harry Nilsson yeah. to do these almost anti-musical, yeah. weird, dark, minor chord, yeah. sort of droney, repetitive I, songs. They're all so weird. I really love the music, though. I do, too. But I it's listen not to like, it all the time with my son. But think about Annie, though. Yeah. It's like none of this stuff, like... Very musical, like Yeah, you don't walk Broadway. away humming these tunes, you know? I, I do, though. <laughs> My favorite song, one of my favorite songs, I really like them all. And, of course, we've seen how they've been used in, like, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, sure, yeah. But um, I love that song, Everything is Food. Yeah. I I sing that with my son all the time when it's, like, time to eat. Uh Everything is food, food, food. (laughs) It's such a weird song. My favorite, it says, it's, what is it, it's emblematic and something about Hot dog pandemic. It has this really great lyrics. It's ubiquitous, enigmatic, and they can't trick us with no hot dogmatic. <laughs> what does that mean? It is mean? food, food, food. Everything is food. Yeah, like if you I look was at the googling lyrics. so much hot dog, hot dogmatic. Uh-huh. I was like, was this a phrase? Right, like, right. was this something people were saying? Oh no, I think it was just Harry Nelson just fucked up in Malta. I didn't because he rented a studio there. I disagree. He did not fuck up. <laughs> no, being fucked up. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Can't argue that. <laughs> yeah, he rented. A, apparently, they rented him a studio in Malta. Yeah, which is there's zero reason to do that. Yeah, he was on just, location <laughs> make, creating these songs. Yeah, which in is, this kind of like why not? I guess you know, band of misfits. Yeah, like circus people. Yeah. He was making these songs amongst circus people, circus uh-huh. folks, carnies. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird scene. And um, for those of you listening, we need to shout out uh, Wolf Kruge was the production designer. Yeah. And this movie, like, the production design is almost— The costumes like, are amazing. Costumes, hair, makeup, and production design was all just genius. Yeah, the shoes. Yeah, They all had all shoes. of those, like— they really look like they were straight from the comic strip, but yeah. also functional. They didn't look at them and go like, oh, that's Mickey Mouse at Disneyland. Right. It, they, it was like a complete world, a complete uh-huh. picture and everything. Although there is one of the weird scenes that stood out to me yesterday was the <laughs> scene with Olive Oil. When she first is bolting with her suitcases, bumps into Popeye in the darkness sort of on yeah. the street. And there's, I feel like there's five minutes of her just stumbling around. Yeah. And going, go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it's just such a weird scene. And as a kid, I just probably laughed my ass off. Yeah. Last night, I was like, what a weird thing to do for that long. <laughs> I mean, I do believe one of the, I love this movie. Uh, probably one of the things that took it down was its duration. For a movie that's ostensibly for children, yeah. I believe it's about, it's up near two hours. It's pretty long yeah. for a movie with kind of no plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has a very, and it has a very important plot to me. <laughs> well, here, I'm not... I'm it's not, about the plot of Popeye. <laughs> I'm not bagging on it. The story of Popeye. <laughs> let me read you this selection from Vanity Fair, because this kind of crystallizes um, how I feel. It says, uh, critics and even my own friends like to criticize Popeye for its confusing or non-existent plot, and they're entirely right. Too much is happening, and it's all happening at the same time. A baby gets kidnapped. There are several frantic meals, lots of songs about nothing... 
characters <laughs> rush in and out in their pursuit of their own half-baked storylines. And at some point, olive oil wrestles an octopus. But honestly, how many times has a plot ruined an otherwise perfectly good comedy? The plot would just distract from the artful chaos and the narrative incongruities and the beautifully meaningless mayhem. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, it wasn't about... It is chaotic. ...some contrived plot. It's this weird sort of fever dream come to life. And a lot of that, he films a lot of it life. In, in wides. Yeah. And there's so much nonsense going on on screen. Yeah. Um, well, he did that. Allman did that with dialogue and all his other films. Yeah. You know, he was very famous for, like, setting up a ro- uh, cameras in a room and having everybody mic'd. Yeah. And having six different conversations going. And he sort of did this visually, I think, in Popeye. Yeah, and really the the material lent itself to it. Yeah. Because of the Fleischer cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, in that quote, um, in what I... You know, read about the movie. That was a, a complaint of Altman and um, the screenwriter, Flight of uh, Jules Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. because Harry Nilsson just kept writing songs about whatever he wanted to write songs about. Right. Jules Pfeiffer laid out in the script all of these beats where there would be a song, uh-huh. and the only one, from what I understand, that he honored was "I Am What I Am" uh-huh. because. Robert Evans. Robert Evans yeah. was like so insistent on it, but it was the last one he wrote. Uh huh. It was the last song because so it was homework. Everything else. Yeah, because it was right. homework. It's like it's what he had to do, so it was the very last thing he did. Yeah. He stuck to having fun and just writing songs like "Food, Food, Food" that yeah. has no. Or he's large. Because <laughs> it's olive oil song like the, about Pluto. Food, food, food is basically wimpy song. Yeah. Because the point of it is they're they're. Not shoehorning, but they're they're working in Wimpy's very famous catchphrase, especially. I mean, very famous for people who are two hundred. Right. Uh, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Uh-huh. Um, but that doesn't come in till like two thirds to the song. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the song is about. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of really hitting that note. Like you got to kind of have that catchphrase in there. Yeah, and Wimpy in that whole scene is just trying to get a, a burger. Yeah, it's a beautifully choreographed scene. They did say that. A, they had uh, an actual choreographer kind of working out kind of all of their footwork, uh-huh. like how the way they moved around the room and everything. Oh, yeah. It's very hypnotic. It is. It's it's con- it's constant. Uh-huh. Everything is constantly in motion. Yeah. Um, which is, yes, <laughs> it's kind of hypnotic. There's no, you don't really ever stop. I guess maybe in some of those sweet scenes with Popeye and olive oil. Yeah. It kind of slows down. Yeah. But first, you first you got to earn it with that scene that you mentioned, where she's just spinning around <laughs> for a while. For a while, <laughs> it was so weird. Um, and then you know, I mentioned briefly the "He's Large" song, which is which is great. Is the clunkiest song, <laughs> but great, I stand though. by it. <laughs> well, no, no, the clunkiest song I think is uh, is Bluto's "I Mean." I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean. You know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> Which he's has mean, one, he's mean. <laughs> it has one of my favorite things I say, ironically, about songwriting is when a word rhymes with itself. Uh-huh. <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> so, I mean, he's large. Um, these are the ones you'd cut? <laughs> no, these are, the, these are the songs that just, like, stay with me, the little song to Sweet Pea. Yeah. I mean, these are— There's, there's uh, like, there's these— Really goofy, very broad songs like Food, Food, Food. Yeah. And He's Large, which is terrific. And, um, you know, 
I'm mean. But then there's all of these sweet songs about Sweet Pea uh-huh. and about each other, like the love for each other. Yeah, well, and He Needs Me. He Needs Me, yeah. It's a very sweet song. Yeah, these are like, these are songs that are would stand up to any song written yeah. by, you know, for like Frozen or, or right. <laughs> these great songs that they make for these movies today. Yeah. They're just really sweet songs. I, I, and, but the funny thing is when I play them for, with my son, mm. I skip a lot of those songs because they're too sad. Yeah. <laughs> so you, what do you play the soundtrack? Especially, you know, like when you have a kid, you become a little bit more emotional. Sure. And I just don't want to like, yeah, you, you're I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be strong for my family. <laughs> the bank is foreclosing on our farm. <laughs> If they see me cry, uh, oops! Um, all the uh, all the rep- repetition in the songs though is really funny to me too because I just picture yeah. Harry Nilsson in there, like scribbling down. He needs me. He needs me. He needs me. He needs me. Yeah, <laughs> and like we'll work it out. You got me on this repetition repetition thing. <laughs> no, it's great though, just because there's. So, I mean, it's such a cool movie to see now because I'm just like, man, what a. Truly Robert, because now I didn't yeah, know who Robert Altman was. I'm like, what a truly Robert Altman way to go with this movie. Yeah. Um, Not conventional. Still, even though it's so Robert Altman, I I do believe part of its downfall is it's so Seeger. It's so yeah. E.C. Seeger. It's like, it's so, it, it so honors something from 1920. Right. <laughs> E.C. Seeger, the creator of Popeye, it's so crazy to think. I think he died in like 1942. Right. He wasn't even really alive to that. That's how old Popeye is. Popeye yeah. was the first superhero. Uh huh. Um, besides maybe like her, uh, some Bible superheroes right. or something. <laughs> besides Jesus. <laughs> besides Jesus walking on water. Popeye walks on water in the, oh, in yeah. the final scene. Yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, that was Altman. He wanted to be like, show that he is a superhero. He's, wa- he's dancing on water, uh-huh. but then he just suddenly falls through. Right. He is human. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, um, what was I saying? Uh, we can cut this part out. You were talking about <laughs> something from the 1920s honoring something so old. Oh, yeah. It's like something from the 1920s honoring something so old. Yeah, it's, it was a crazy idea to yeah try to <laughs> capture this thing. Well, and he didn't modernize <laughs> it and try to make it like hip and current. Yeah. Like he, he very much... Because I didn't know anything about the original comic strips much, but I definitely loved the cartoon when I was a kid. And uh, he does a lot of, like, in the middle of this kind of weird movie, he definitely honors all that slapsticky, yeah. you know, like when when Papa gets punched, you know, he flies up in the air dead straight. And yeah. he winds his arm <laughs> up and takes these big swings in the fights and stuff like that. They did cartoony stuff like that. The original— The pipe spinning. The pipe spinning. The original script had Eugene the Jeep. And the Sea Hag, too. That's what I heard. I would which, love to have seen the Sea Hag. I know. That would have been in her big vulture. Yeah, yeah. It would have been very interesting. I don't know how they would have done Eugene the Jeep. I don't think it, it would have it would have really dated the movie yeah. in a bad way. I in reading about it, I saw that they were even thinking they were they had talked to the Muppets about Sweet Pea mm-hmm. having Sweet Pea be a Muppet. Oh, interesting. Which would have been Not such good. a bad idea. Um, but that's Altman's grandson, I think. I know, and it's really great. Um, it, there, there's fun and funny things about that. Fun and sad. He, the <laughs> little baby had a little, um, some kind of 
medical situation that was going to go away after a year. Uh-huh. But because of that, he had part, the little baby had partial facial paralysis, oh, which no. made him kind of have that Popeye mouth. Oh, really? And they were really into that. And they were like, <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah. And it's my brother brought me t- to my attention that that kid now, Robert Altman's grandson, mm-hmm. he has this YouTube video where he's, where he's basically like, I'm the kid from Popeye. Did you like that movie? If you did, you, need, you owe me money. They robbed my childhood. <laughs> I've heard about that. I didn't see the video, but I did a little investigation. I saw that he was basically raising money just to... Yeah, just send me money. Because I'm that kid. I was in this movie none of you saw. Oh, man. What a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Altman's not around to see that at least. It's uh, tough being close to stardom. (laughs) Uh, We should talk about the boxing match for a minute. Yeah. With... um, Ox, Oxblood Oxheart. Yeah. Because it is another very strange scene. Yes. Uh, very slow-paced and kind of weird how it all plays out. Yeah. That is something that I do not mind. My favorite comedians are like Bob Newhart. Yeah. Bob Newhart and Norm MacDonald. Uh-huh. Oh, man. You know, it's tough working a lot on BoJack and working in animation. I love a nice, slow, drawn-out gag. Mm-hmm. Me too. But that doesn't work in TV animation. Yeah. But I, I do it when I can. Right. I was so jealous when I saw Zootopia, which trods on a lot of the same comedic material that BoJack does. Uh-huh. And they had that great set piece with that sloth at the DMV. Yeah. Which is such <laughs> low-hanging fruit. I know. It was funny. But and, it worked. But they could do it because mm-hmm. it was a feature. We could never do that. We could never eat up. You know, four minutes right. of runtime. Yeah, I mean, on that's this a, one sloth uh-huh. joke. I was like, "Bravo!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I that quite joke enjoyed was Zootopia sitting there. Yeah, somehow. I like that. That's and you picked one. it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this boxing match it is it is weird. Um, the pacing of it is strange, and um, the whole time, like last night, I, I was just kept thinking, like, man, when I was a kid. It was made for kids to just eat up with a spoon. Yeah. And now that I'm an adult, I was like, it's like this weird drug-fueled That m- scene is strange. the most kind of pinned-on yeah. scene. That doesn't seem, but it's very fun. Yeah. It doesn't have a song. No, it doesn't, does it? lends itself to being forgettable. Right. There's no song connected to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no repetitious song. Right. Box, box, box. <laughs> now we must box. <laughs> That would have been the song. I'd be happy to box you Tuesday for a boxing glove today. Uh, and then the Sweet Pea gambling bit was also, I thought, a very odd little plot point. Yeah, to throw in there. I mean, they, they say it's the on plot. There's your plot. Yeah. Um, well, I guess Sweet Pea is... doesn't have that power in every in any iteration of the right. cartoon. That was just made up, right? It was a made up thing, a device. Yeah. For, I mean, she, uh, he was. Magical in many ways. Yeah. In and he could kind of talk a little bit in the comic strip, and then in, whenever he appeared in the cartoon, the Fleischer cartoons, which was rarely, he was most famously like just walking around on that con- this construction site uh-huh. where he keeps evading death, which is a kind of magic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. In this. Insanely animated cartoon. Like, there's yeah. no animation today that's going to beat the animation in that cartoon. Oh, really? From so long ago. Yeah. It's so crazy with all these spinning steel girders uh-huh. and everything. 
that she, uh, Sweepy just barely keeps walking onto, and yeah. Popeye keeps falling and getting hit in the head and everything. Yeah, as he's trying to save Sweepy. Who made those cartoons? The Fleischer Brothers. Okay, it's that's a crazy story that will get edited out of this podcast. No, let's hear it. Uh, the Fleischer Brothers and Disney were head and head. Popeye was more popular than Mickey Mouse. Really, his cartoons were the the number one cartoons. Uh-huh. But Disney learned his very important lesson with Oswald the Lucky Rabbit that you got to own what you make. Yeah, own the IP. He had Oswald taken away from him, and then he had this brilliant uh, idea to turn Oswald into a, a mouse. I love how it's like thought of as like this genius stroke. <laughs> but he just t- it 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 is Oswald, but with bunny with mouse ears with mouse ears. Yeah, and it was also created by Ub Iwerks, uh-huh. his partner, who also. Designed his signature. <laughs> oh, really? The Walt Disney's that signature famous? was designed by Ub Iwerks. Really? Wow. <laughs> who went on later. He was a great inventor. He was the greatest earlier. Boy, I'm going down some side rows here. That's right. Um, he was the greatest animator, the, one of the early greatest. Then, but then he went into inventing. Like He won a, a special Oscar for the birds. Uh-huh. He invented a lot of the techniques that made that Hitchcock film possible. Oh, cool. Um Anyway, the Fleischers and Disney were running head and head, and then the when they made when Disney made Snow White, the Fleischers make made Mister Bug Goes to Town. They mm-hmm. both made a feature at the same time. Does history remember that? No, no, because the Fleischers. It was around World War II, and Paramount wanted Popeye. They wanted to cut them out, and they because they did not own Popeye. They were cuttable, mm-hmm. even though they were these great geniuses of animation, one of the founders of animation, basically. They basically were one of the inventors of animation. Yeah. Um, uh, Paramount lied about the uh, profits from this movie, Mr. Bug Goes to Town, and they they kept the money back. They kept all the European money. Mm-hmm. And it bankrupted the Fleischer Studios, and they took, and then they just took uh, Popeye away and turned it into famous studios. Mm-hmm. Um which was in a, Miami, oddly enough. They were making animation in Miami. The hotbed of animation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these Fleischers who were beating Disney for so long ended up, that was the end. They were done. Wow. And, um, you know, they were the creators of Betty Boop and uh, all okay. these other characters. And um, that was the end. And Disney, he, Disney learned his lesson mm-hmm. from... Losing Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, he learned it so much that he set forth to gobble up every IP known yeah. to man. You know, he branded Snow White, not his story. Alice in Wonderland, not mm-hmm. his story. Sleeping Beauty, Winnie the Pooh, Jungle Book, uh, uh, Marvel, yeah, <laughs> The Muppets, yeah, it's still happening. Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just that was Disney's greatest invention. Is Putting the Disney name yeah. on stuff that he did not create. The Disney signature that it was designed by starting, somebody else. <laughs> yeah, starting from Mickey Mouse, which was created by a Iwerks. Yeah. <laughs> he was basically on his way back from Kansas City mm-hmm. when he learned that he lost Os- Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And he tele- sent him Ub a telegram saying, we've lost this. We need to do something quick. Wow. And Ub Iwerks, while Disney was just on the train ride back, completely on his own, animated this uh, Disney uh, Plane Crazy, which mm-hmm. was the first Mickey Mouse cartoon, which was Mickey Mouse 
like he was Charles Lindbergh. Yeah. Because Charles Lindbergh was so famous at the time. Sure. And he animated the whole cartoon himself. Soup to nuts. Um, but from what I understand, and I may be oversimplifying this, just while Disney was on that train. Wow. <laughs> um, so Disney wasn't even in the building when Mickey Mouse was <laughs> being created and Man. made. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny how um, it worked out. Yeah. You gotta put your name on stuff. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> what a fraud. And now they own The Simpsons, too. <laughs> I guess so, right? Yeah, they own The Simpsons. Yeah. How will The Simpsons be affected by uh, Disney owning them? I don't know. Yeah. And The Family Guy. They own Family Guy. Right. It's so weird. They just own cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they own all cartoons. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they own childhoods. <laughs> Your childhood branded and owned by Disney Corporation. <laughs> um, so then at the end of the movie, we get uh, Enter Ray Walston. Who's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he One does the, such a good job in this movie. Yeah, and he, he was an actual, like, musical performer. Yeah. He was in some famous musicals, uh, which I don't, of course, I know him as being from My Best Mother Times? the Car or something. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think of Mr. Hand in Fast Times at Ridgemont. Yeah, High, of course. I think he was a musical performer. Yeah, yeah, some kind of lesser known. Um, that guy from uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. What's uh -huh. his name? Yeah, I know that guy too. I'm not uh, super up on the old musicals. Yeah, movie. Uh, <laughs> He's but yeah, the poor man's Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Walston comes in as as uh, Pappy, Poop Deck Pappy. and that scene where they meet is just so great. Yeah, because it's such a mess, and they're they're. You know, he didn't want to admit it, and Robin Williams is just, like, hugging and kissing all over him while he's tied up. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really sweet scene. And he's a real scoundrel, too. It's yeah. really great to have—he's a super-duper scoundrel. Oh, sure. Whereas, like, Brutus or Bluto is kind of a—you know, he's basically—he's mean because we know he's mean. Yeah. There was a song about uh -huh. it. <laughs> but uh, his father has done terrible things. Yeah. He sanctioned the kidnapping of Sweet Pea. Uh-huh. He's overtaxing this whole town, and it's basically like a big slum. Yeah, and was sort of abusive, supposedly, to Popeye when he was little, right? Yeah, he abandoned kind of, Popeye. Yeah, he, like he indicates that. <laughs> One of the sweetest scenes, I I, I feel, for me, in the, all of filmmaking, mm -hmm. is when Popeye, it's a really funny scene where he gets into his room at the oils, he's renting a room, Yeah, and he goes to sit on the bed, uh, or he yeah. just touches it, I think the bed collapses, and then he, it's a really great visual where he sets up a hammock above uh -huh. this collapsed bed, Yeah, and then he's unpacking his stuff. And he unpacks a frame, and he's talking to it for a so while. Great. And then we see the frame, and it just says, "My me, Papa." Yeah, it's like it's it's actually really quite touching. You it know? is. <laughs> it's, it's shot through a window, and he's just having the conversation with his peppy. And you know, obviously, the gag is you think he's looking at a photo. Yeah, but it's just written down. But it is a very sweet. Scene. Yeah, it is very. It's the execution of it is very sweet. Yeah, and in then, the middle of this nonsense movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's has a tag of a nonsense scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at the end, you know, the very end is when we, they meet up. Like I said, and then you get this very just to cap off a strange sort of hallucinogenic film. You get this octopus, yes, that uh, <laughs> out of left field that doesn't look great. Apparently, it does because not look great. They spent all their money on the production, but over, over budget, over yeah. time. I think right. over, they were months over schedule. Yeah. And I think that um, Robert Altman had big hopes for this octopus. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mainly... It's all shot in close-up, I it's think. It's all shot in close-ups. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of clear that his eyes are kind of rubber, too. Uh -huh. He doesn't have a lot of expression <laughs> in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
he handled it, you know, like filmmaking techniques where he mostly you felt the fear and the uh, the uh, the fear and the tension mm-hmm. through olive oil. Sure, like he's grabbing at olive oil, and you see a tentacle heading towards Sweet Bee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in the end it works, but oh, it, served its it is definitely um, it's definitely you can see that it's not. You can see that they were all they were out of coke, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were out of coke at that point. That's what it was. Yeah, that was the problem. The wheels were coming off of the uh, airplane carrying in the coke to Malta. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, here's the thing, though: is like that that part doesn't look great, but the rest of the movie is looks as good today as it did in 1980. The costumes. Yeah, because it he didn't, you know, like another movie that came out in 1980 was Flash Gordon, which I still <laughs> love, and it has a very special place in my heart. But there's only one way to look at that film now, which is very campy and yeah. dated and kind of They took hokey. it all very practical. Yeah. All the effects were practical. There wasn't, they didn't have Eugene the Jeep. No, it, it was looks, all. It, looks it was awesome a small still. story. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might say that is a no script <laughs> or a no plot, but it was a very small story they were telling. Yeah. It was really just a celebration of this character Popeye. Yep, um, and all of the crazy people around him, mm-hmm. which are gr- really great people. I mean, uh, that great character actor is in there as Wimpy. Yeah, or, he name. was the dad from uh, Sixteen yeah. Candles, Paul Dooley. Yeah, he does a, a real good job everything. in there. He's yeah, been he's in great. everything. I mean, Bru- he was Brutus wimpy. is great. Yeah. Um, now, wait, what's the Brutus Bluto deal, naming wise? Because believe there, it, I forget. I think it has something. Because there was a Brutus, right? There, there was no at some point. There was no Bluto. There was no Brutus Bruto. I'm not going to get the names exactly correctly, but there was no. That character did not exist in the, the comic strip. Okay. It was a creation of the Fleischer brothers. Okay. So then I believe it was Brutus. So then that they created Brutus, like mm-hmm. they created um, uh, Betty Boop. Right. And Popeye's first cartoon was a Betty Boop cartoon, by the way. Oh, really? His first appearance in animation. Um, so then when Paramount took Popeye away... They did not own Brutus because it was a creation of the Fleischers. Uh, so when they formed Famous Studios, they had to change his name to Bluto. Same character, though, Same character, but different name because they gotcha. didn't own the name to that character. All right. I was wondering what the deal was with that. shook down these two great right. <laughs> legends of animation. <laughs> Very interesting. I guess it's kind of with... sad how history kind of <laughs> steamrolls some of these people. Well, but with animation, they're like, all right, fine. We, we own Bluto. Yeah. Like, we can draw that guy. Uh, I'm seeing if I have anything else on here. How do you feel? Do you feel like we got it? Is there anything else in here you want to How do I feel? Cover Popeye-wise? A little hungry. (laughs) Kind of sticky. Humid. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I might have a little bit of poison ivy from the airport. (laughs) What? (laughs) That would be a weird place to get poison ivy. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. All right. Well, in that case, we'll finish with a couple of segments, what Ebert said and five questions. Can I, can I make a guess? This movie is a complete disappointment. He's not going to like it. <laughs> he actually did. Really? He gave it's it. so funny because I was really looking forward to this. I've listened to many of your episodes, and you always say, uh, ironically, he did not like this one. Right. What do you usually like, say? I don't know, probably that. Yeah, he, uh, for a good but movie. I've listened to the selection of your episodes. I've listened to He's you, every them all. time you say. Actually, this time he didn't like it. But every time you've said that, yeah. And so it, it isn't actually he didn't like it uh-huh. because he doesn't like every one of the movies your guests bring yeah. in. Yeah, movie like Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Didn't like yeah. that. Uh, he gave this three and a half out of four stars. Yeah. And he said Popeye's lots of fun. It suggests that it is possible to take the broad strokes of a comic strip and turn them into sophisticated entertainment. Uh, what's needed is the he right... He gets it. He gets it. <laughs> right. He loves these songs. <laughs> what's needed is the right attitude toward the material. If Altman and his people had been the slightest bit condescending toward Popeye, the movie might have crash-landed, but it's clear that this movie, uh, that he has an affection for Popeye and so much regard for the Sailor Man that it even bothers to reveal the truth about his opinion of spinach. Yeah, I wonder if it has... Uh, Robert Roger Ebert was obviously... was. Was uh, grew up on these Fleischer cartoons, probably, and maybe the scripts, but the scripts are so old. Um, and I, I wonder. I think you just really have to love Popeye. Uh, yeah, I think. I why really, would you see this if you didn't like yeah, Popeye? First of all, uh, but I mean, Disney wants everybody to go see the Avengers, right? Whether you know <laughs> who the Hulk is, Claw Dude is, yeah. or <laughs> Buzz Boy, or whatever the hell their names are. <laughs> So you're not a fan of those films? Well, I mean, that's that's the Popeye that Paramount probably wanted, is a Popeye yeah. that was, he should have come out, he should have came in on that little rowboat mm-hmm. and punched his way through Sweet Haven. Right. They were singing that song, <laughs> Sweet uh, yeah. Haven, God must uh, uh, love us. Yeah, because, I mean, I said it's looked at as a failure. It, it I think it made like $60 million bucks on a, off a 20-something, $20 million budget. Yeah. So it, it it wasn't a box office failure, but I think Disney thought it would be like a hundred million dollars. The stink of failure movie. on it though really haunts me because I work with so many animators, and whenever I bring this movie up, they're like, "Oh yeah, it was a bomb, right?" And I'm like, "Have you seen it?" Yeah. They're like, "No, I've never seen it." But meanwhile, it is literally 
it is a it is a love letter to film cartoonists. Yeah, to people who love cartoons. Absolutely. This is a movie that was specifically mm-hmm. somehow through the fog of coke and uh, <laughs> the hot sun in Malta yeah. and <laughs> was somehow ended up being a cartoon that was specifically made for us. Mm-hmm. And it kills me when people haven't seen it. And just disregard it as yeah, a, just as a disregard it. it just has like a stink on it that I think is, I, I, and I, it, make, it's, it makes me sad that like a lot of movies come back around. Yeah. Like find... You know, like your idiocracies or sure, these movies, cult classics. Yeah, cult classics. This sort of is though. I don't. Th- I don't know if it is because I, mean, I work with animators. Well, maybe they not don't among your crowd. Know, they don't know it, but I'm. <laughs> I work in the the animation industry in Los Angeles is pretty small. Yeah, and they there's not an affinity for this film. Really? Yeah, it's it's really crazy. Because when I was re- doing research on this, I. One of my search terms was revisiting Popeye because I wanted to see. And there are plenty of people in the last five years that have written. I mean, I guess they're not L.A. cartoonists, but they've (laughs) written articles about, like, I think this is an overlooked, weird cult classic. Yeah. Um, And people have said it's Robin Williams' best work. Other people have said it's one of Altman's best films. And it just has this stink on it that you need to just forget about. It's the best um, use of... uh Repetitive lyrics in a song. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best work work repetition has ever done. (laughs) Yeah, the best repetition ever. Uh, And finally, five questions. Well, number one, you've answered the first movie you remember seeing in the theater. Yeah, I think it was in San Bruno in the the Bay Area. Uh Uh, I remember going in and seeing that big standee, that big Uh Popeye with... Shelley Duvall and yeah. the, the baby. That's still such a great image. It's a great poster, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I must have been very small. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. Um, but I know you don't have feelings, so. I was four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember the first R-rated movie you saw? The first R-rated movie I saw? I remember the first R-rated movie I didn't see. We would see. I treated the, <laughs> I treated movie theaters like a playground. Yeah. And uh, we bought tickets to a film, a PG film. And snuck into Child's Play 2. Oh, wow. Because it was an R-rated film. We could not get in. Yeah. But this was like on a, it was a summer vacation. So it would have been like on a, we took the bus to the mall. Mm. And it was like on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever. Yeah. And nobody bought tickets to the movie. And if nobody buys tickets to the movie, they don't run the movie. Oh, really? So we sat there. Waiting for it to start. Waiting for it to start. (laughs) And it was... And but, just but waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, we could, you couldn't complain like, hey, start the movie. Yeah, that I and they'd be into. like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> We're fumigating the theater. <laughs> so eventually, and then, it, you know, they run movies for two hours. And so we were in a window where all the movies had started. Mm-hmm. So we basically had to walk out with what? our tails between our legs and just get back on the bus and go home. That's the worst sneak-in <laughs> story I've ever heard. Well, it's so, so that sad. was the first horror movie I didn't see. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember my dad was a big video store guy, mm. and he was always bringing home the weirdest movies. There was always those situations, you know, you have, like, your dad's trying to be a cool dad, and he's yeah. renting cool things, but then you're sitting, you my know. My dad never did that. You're like a seven-year-old, <laughs> and you're sitting next to your dad during some alien sex scene. Yeah. And you're like, 
dad. You're like looking at your mom. She's dodging. Right. Just trying to avoid eye contact. Yeah, that was always very uncomfortable. Yeah, my, my dad got a reputation. Yeah. For being we're like, oh, is this going to be another dad movie? Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, me and my brother, all we wanted to do is rent the Smurfs and the Magic Flute over and over right. and over again. <laughs> my mom would be like, you, you can't rent that movie again. We're like, we really want to see it. Yeah. And we would just rent the Smurfs and the Magic Flute over and over and over again. It was before you could buy video cassettes. Yeah. So would you tape it off of uh, TV or no, something? No, we we would rent it every time. We'd go oh, to the video oh. store yeah. and rent it over and over it. and over again. Yeah, so you spent like 60 yeah. bucks on the I remember Smurfs. like the first time I saw boobs and stuff. Yeah. That was like... Who doesn't? We loved... Uh, <laughs> we would watch at a neighbor's house that Elvira movie. I would love to watch that again. Elvira. She did a movie? She did a movie, okay. yeah. And she's... You see cleavage, mm-hmm. side boob, under boob. Mm-hmm. She's wearing tassels. There's a part in it where she's spinning tassels for a long time. Uh-huh. And I was like... For a long time. <laughs> for a long time. She spins tassels for as long as olive oil trips around right. on a dock. <laughs> With greater results. Right. Probably. And I remember we would always watch this movie Chorus Line. Oh, wow. That had great... I remember... So I don't remember specifically if they had boobs in that movie, but they had that great song, Tits and Ass, that always uh-huh. goes through my head yeah, constantly yeah. as I walk down the street. <laughs> right. I'm sure when you were a kid, that was very titillating. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> um, will you walk out of a bad movie? The, uh, I will. I don't. Oh, my God. You're a parent now. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to the movies. Yeah. To get out of the house. Sure. Me and my wife loved this new Jurassic Park movie, and all of our friends at work were like, The one that but just problems, came out. problems, problems, problems. Yeah. And I was like, Listen, we were out of the house. Yeah, it was great. We were having <laughs> such a good time. <laughs> um, so obviously now you won't walk out of a movie. No, we, uh, oh my God. Was that, that would mean we'd have to go back home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, that one of your moves, though? I, the only movie I really ever walked out of was Spice World. Oh. Um, my brother loved the Spice Girls. Really? I was not on board. Uh-huh. And I, that was when all theaters had a really great arcade oh, connected sure. to them. And I had a quarter on a string. Uh-huh. Oh, did you really? I had a quarter on a string. Did that, that I work? I rigged up. It didn't work on every one, uh-huh. but it r- worked on some of my favorites. Yeah. Rampage and Dig Dug. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I played so, Dig Dug just last week, actually. You know, I'm like tapping my pocket. Uh-huh feeling that I have this quarter with a string on it. <laughs> and then I'm l- looking at this garbage movie. Yeah. And I think I just got up and just yeah. slunk out. And, and go play played, Dig Dug. Play Dig Dug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I played that last week for the first time. Uh, geez, I don't even know. And it, it holds up. It's a good game. Dig Dug? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, that game was also directed by Robert Allman. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was weird. That explains the songs. Uh, it is a repetitious song. <laughs> Dig, Doug, dig, <laughs> Doug. Uh, so let me see. For four, I usually tailor to the guests now. Um, what cartoon, what animated show in history do you wish you would have created? Which do you wish was your own? I would have loved to have been one of those directors in Termite Terrace. Oh, yeah? When it was Chuck Jones, Frizz Freeling. Uh-huh. But then I, I've thought about this. If I was there, then one of them wouldn't have been there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a weird scenario, right? And it's, I guess, it's I a weird question. I would have been filling a spot. Be like, I wish I was the person who created Peanuts. And that was a time when all of the animators went to s- 
to work in a suit and tie. Yeah. And they would, they, Bugs Bunny can dance so well. Mm-hmm. It's because all of these, they, Termite Terrace, where they made Bugs Bunny and all those cartoons, um, was located right across the street from the Hollywood Palladium, which mm-hmm. was where all the big, which is still there today, famously from the Blues Brothers movie where Cab Calloway yeah. plays the big final scene in the Blues Brothers. Um, but that was where all the big bands played, mm-hmm. and all the animators would get off from Warner Brothers and go right across the street to go dance. Wow. So they could all dance like crazy. They all knew how to dance. They were over there dancing to whomever, these yeah. big band guys. Um, that would have been fun. Yeah. Or maybe what's your favorite all-time cartoon? My favorite, my, uh, my favorite cartoon right now is Clarence. Okay. I love it so much. I watch it with my son. It's so fucked up. Uh-huh. It's really a great cartoon that shows what it's like to be a child. Like a middle, or middle to lower middle class child mm-hmm. entertaining yourself in a dirt lot. Oh, nice. It's a really great cartoon. Who does I, that? Cartoon Network. Okay. It just ended. I'll check that it out. It did three seasons. You can watch it with your kid. Really? Yeah. Who's, it's really weird. Who's the voice? Who's the star? Um, no, nobody famous. Oh, okay. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. If that's a great, like, could Mel Blanc have had a career today? Right. Because <laughs> they need, like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, The Rock to voice every cartoon. Right. Like, where, what would Mel Blanc's place, yeah. Mel Blanc, who was basically, like, the Babe Ruth, the Michael Jordan. Yeah. The third sports person <laughs> of voiceover actors. I that was the extent of my knowledge of sports. That's good. Uh, what would Mel Blanc's role? Mm-hmm. Of course, Mel Blanc was Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Sylvester, Tweety, Foghorn Leghorn, Woody Woodpecker, yeah, uh, Barney ridiculous. Rubble, um, all these people. Yeah, but he, but it would have been all like Haley, Hailey Duff or Duffy Duffy Hay or <laughs> what, what are these? Do you have a boy or a girl? I have a girl. Oh, yeah, you'll be in it soon. Yeah. Duffy. Duffy Hay. Duffy Hay. (laughs) Hailey Cyrus. (laughs) Hailey Duffy stuff. Duff stuff. Clarence. I got to check that out. (laughs) It's a great show. Uh, Oh, and uh, BoJack Horseman. Oh, sure. (laughs) I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that are into BoJack. Uh, And finally, Movie Going 101. Uh, Mike, what is your, when you would get out to the movies, what's your jam? Where do you sit? What do you get at the concession stand? There's been... I'm a 42-year-old man now. Mm-hmm. My life has gone through many stages. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I'd get the newspaper, and I'd cut out the movie listings, mm-hmm. and I'd go there and just cruise all day from theater to theater. Yeah, that's great. I had my watch, an actual watch, uh-huh. and I would go to one movie, and then it would get out, and I'd see what was starting next, mm-hmm. and I would just sneak over into that theater, Yeah, and I'd spend, I'd be in there, I'd go in there, and, you know, when it was, when it was light and leave when it was very wow, dark. Wow, <laughs> that's great. And then, as a young man, it was all about sneaking in food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say if I was on death row, if my crimes finally catch up with me, mm-hmm. that I'd love for my last meal to be a Chipotle burrito and <laughs> chips and guacamole. <laughs> that is my jam. Yeah. And it drives my wife crazy. She so would sneak that in. Because I eat chips and guacamole in the movie, and she says it's too loud. How do you sneak that in? But I say, listen, what... I'm going to spill all my secrets out here. <laughs> It'll be over. Uh-huh. She go, She's up my butt so much for this chips and guacamole. Uh-huh. But they sell chips and nachos. She says nacho cheese, a quieter food than guacamole. There's it's no like difference. a silencer on the chip. <laughs> but it's the exact same food. It's the exact same food. Yeah. She'll let me, she will let me buy nachos mm-hmm. 
but she won't let me do this. Uh... Oh, and then, of course, there's a crinkly paper bag and all this other nonsense. But... Well, sure. <laughs> but is she like, you're disturbing everyone can hear you eating your chips? Is that the, the That's take? what she says to me all day, every day. <laughs> you're disturbing everyone. <laughs> in the movie, out of the movies, in the house, out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what about after that period in your life? Oh, now I'll just, I mean... Now I'm a father and I can barely get to a movie. Yeah. And when I do get to a movie, yeah, I, I guess I'll eat nachos because time is, I mean, every movie, now movies are like 25 bucks. Yeah. Then you add like a $100 babysitter tab or whatever. Yeah. So every movie costs like 125 bucks or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not stopping to pick up food. Sure. We're eating the garbage and food at the theater. Yeah. Good. <laughs> like you should. I, but why don't they serve me real food? Usually movies well, are, I go see that. movies at dinner time. Yeah. I don't want to eat popcorn for dinner. Yeah, but those dinner theaters aren't I want courses. fun. <laughs> like a tasting menu? <laughs> yes. I want a wine selection. <laughs> oh, man, that would be nice. Yeah, but the, the, the dining theaters, it's never, it's no. like, I don't want to eat a cheeseburger. No, I had a terrible thing. We went to go see that um, Elysium or something about rich people making their own planet in space. Sure. And uh, we saw that at one of these fancy theaters in L.A. where they bring you your meal. Mm -hmm. And they bring you your meal while the movie's already started. So yeah. they, they crawl to you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this movie, this what's happening in front of me. I don't <laughs> like this a scenario guy here. Yeah. With a tray on his back. <laughs> yeah, I have somebody crawling to, here's your meal, sir. Sorry if one of my hairs got in the way of the screen oh, about the movie about rich people. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking off from society. <laughs> All right, man. This is a good one. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. It's been a pleasure. And good luck with the new show. Yeah, and everybody check out. I'm here in town for Picture This, this great show that we do. If you, you Have you ever seen the show, the cartoon uh, Duck Amuck, where Bugs Bunny's screwing around with yeah. Daffy Duck? We're on the road doing this Picture This show where you guys are traveling animators live screw with comedians. Uh-huh. Um, it's in New York. It's in L.A. It's frequently in San Francisco. We're on the road all the time. Check this show out. It's a bonkers show. Yeah, with former guest, uh, the great Brandy Posey. Yes. Who hooked this up. Yeah, she's a producer, yeah. Yeah, so she's great. Brandy. I will. All right, thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Good job. I, I think everybody went home. Probably. I'm, I'm, that means <laughs> I'm supposed to go out there and hit uh, the space bar or whatever. Hit the space bar? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Your show's at 8, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 7.30, but it's close, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 7 now, but you're... Yeah. How'd you like that, everybody? Like, how did you like my bad Popeye impression just then? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How'd you like that interview? I thought it was pretty cool. Mike's a great dude and uh, super talented and interesting and... It was really cool hearing about his life as the and, and work as the first animator that I've had on Movie Crush. So I'm kind of ticking through a bunch of cool jobs here in the entertainment industry, which is really exciting for me. Uh, the whole goal of this podcast was to get a range of people across the entertainment industry, and uh, it was very, very cool to, to get Mike in here. And uh, he actually signed, I posted it on uh, the website when he came through here, but he signed the back of our Mac monitor. He had a Sharpie in his hand, and... It's like, man, I got Mike Collingsworth here. You need to draw something for us somewhere. Looked around on various walls. Nothing jumped out at me. And then I saw this big, gorgeous 
25-inch Mac computer screen and said, sign the back of this thing. And he drew a little picture of a horse, and he signed it, and uh, Jerry didn't get mad. In fact, she was delighted. So that really worked out well. Uh, Maybe I'll repost it just in case you didn't see it. And I hope you liked our talk on Popeye. He's a big, big fan, as you could tell, and had a lot of great insight on that film. And uh, just couldn't have been more pleased with how this one went down. So thanks to Mike. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Stuffed Animals. uh, And that is capital S-T-U-F-F-F-E-D, Animals. That's three Fs, everyone, at Twitter. And uh, you can follow Mike's Twitter feed there. Support BoJack Horseman. A really, really great show. I'm glad they're still going strong and all his new efforts. So thanks, Mike, for coming in. Hope you guys enjoyed that talk on Popeye. And until next week, remember, eat your spinach. It's good for you. Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt at HowStuffWorks Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.